This podcast is supported by Pentax Medical. Now, welcome back to our weekly endoscopy podcast. My name is Björn Rembaken. I'm a gastroenterologist and endoscopist in Leeds. Today, Nick Burr and I are talking to Matt Rutter, professor of gastroenterology at North Tees, about the National Endoscopy Database. For those of you who don't work in the UK National Health Service, uh, let me explain. The National Endoscopy Database, or NED for short, is an automated system to collate the core facts of all endoscopies carried out every minute of the day onto a central database. <laughs> I think I know what you're thinking. How can a country who can't agree with its friends in, and partners in Europe agree to share and collaborate like this? After all, there are about 2 million endoscopies carried out every year in the UK. And imagine the findings of all these examinations collated onto a central database. Now, In a few years' time, this data set will contain details of millions of diagnostic and therapeutic procedures. And, and not just those done in ivory towers, but every endoscopy, whether it's done in a small private centre or a large university hospital. And furthermore, this data is real-time, is never more than 60 minutes old. Now, if anyone knows what information we may glean from this data set, uh, which will no doubt be the largest endoscopy data set in the world, is Matt Rutter. First, I asked him when and why was it decided to try to set this system up. The National Endoscopy Database is something that we, we conceived, I think it was as far back as 2013. We just realised that uh, with the NHS um, being a, a network, um, there was an opportunity really to pool that data uh, for the good of of all of us, uh, including patients, of course. Um, and so uh, we, we set about creating this single national database to capture um, data from every hospital's endoscopy reporting system. And, and we work with the industry uh, and they've changed their systems to produce a, a data output from the back end of their systems, which is um, sucked through onto the national database. And all of this is a, an automated process. Um, and, and I guess really at the outset, there were there were four main aims for, for setting this up. Uh, firstly, uh, quality assurance. Um, there was an increasing awareness that there was a range of quality in endoscopy and that that had really important uh, outcomes for patients. Uh, um, we know that uh, poor quality colonoscopy misses cancers and patients die of that, for example. Um, and everybody had been working hard, doing a lot of work in their local hospital, trying to pull together their own data. But it just made a lot more sense to do that nationally, to remove uh, the need for every hospital to do that piece of work. We could do it all for them in a standardised way across the UK. So quality assurance and quality improvement were, were the first aims. Um, beyond that, we also... Uh, appreciated that with large data, there's um, great potential to um, understand more about how things work uh, endoscopically across the UK. Uh, we have surprisingly little insight into who does what, for example. 
Uh, and this would allow us to you know, open up that black box, if you like, and see um, who's doing what, um, uh, look at the, um, the yield from certain indications to try to evaluate our service and uh, improve our service and give us some intelligence about uh, what's happening in UK endoscopy. So service evaluation and intelligence, I guess, were the second strand. The third strand really evolves from that, which is pure research. Yeah. Uh, we know the potential for research uh, with large data sets, and we wanted to have the opportunity to, to exploit that for the, the good of UK endoscopy and, and for our patients. And then finally, um, uh, to do with endoscopy training. So uh, the JETS training database had been in existence for longer, um, but that involved trainees having to double enter data. Uh, so they would do the endoscopy report, but then essentially they would duplicate that data on the, the JETS uh, website. So we wanted to remove that duplication and pull the data directly from their local system uh, so that it all aligned with JETS and, and uh, make it easier for, for endoscopist. So I guess they were the four aims. Um, and uh, I think we're, we're well on the way to achieving uh, most, if, if not all, of those goals. At the moment, um, we think there's just over 500 endoscopy units in the United Kingdom and 421, I checked this morning, yeah. Uh, of those units are um, actively uploading to the National Endoscopy Database. And we now have um, over 3 million endoscopic procedures uh, recorded on the database. So it's uh, over a million gastroscopies, over a million colonoscopies, um, uh, probably about 700,000 flexible sigmoidoscopies, and a smaller number of ERCPs. Um, we're not capturing uh, ERCP uh, from all of those hospitals yet. Uh, uh, at the outset, we had a better understanding of what the data requirements were for colonoscopy and gastroscopy and, and sigmoidoscopy, so we focused on those. So the ERCP aspect was uh, non-mandatory. Um, I think we have about 60,000 ERCPs, so it's still a decent number. Um, but as we move to the second iteration of NED, uh, we're going to correct that. So we're going to have mandatory ERCP upload and endoscopic ultrasound as well. So things will improve uh, further um, in due course. I mean, it, it all sounds fantastic. And to us, the um, benefits of this are really clear. It's going to be an absolutely amazing resource. Um when do you think the timeline will be to get everybody online and uploading? And do you think that's achievable? So I think it is achievable. Uh, we've, we're, we've seen adoption, as you'd expect, so that you've got your standard adoption curve where there's a small number of units who want to get going straight away uh, and then it gains momentum and then you get over 50, 60 percent and then it starts to slow down. Beyond that point, uh, you have the uh, adoption laggards who are, uh, for whatever reason, uh, logistical or um, 
or um, you know from a from a um, well, many other reasons why why um, some units might might not have adopted so far. But we're over eighty percent across the UK, and actually in England, it's it, it's higher than that uh, uh, still. Um, so we will get there, and I guess. Although it's non-mandatory in its own right, we have aligned it to uh, JAG uh, GRS standards. So uh, through the JAG process, it's a mandatory GRS uh, requirement to be uploading. So that gives some um, uh, weight behind it. And more and more what we're finding actually is that uh, uh, other organisations are very very keen to ensure that uh, um, uh, that 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 every centre is uploading. So NHS England, for example, are pushing very hard across England uh, to have all of their units uh, uploading. And we've had discussions with the with uh, Northern Ireland and, and Scotland and Wales. And again, they're very keen to uh, uh, to uh, be able to access their data and, and therefore to have their centres centres uploading. So yeah, I think we will get there. Um, I guess that it's not a major part of my role. I guess my I see my remit is 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 having Ned available and making it easy pe for people to upload and guiding them through that process. Um, but I I'm not the enforcer of this. I'll, I'll leave that to to Jag and, and to others. So who will be doing the, the data processing and analysis behind this, the scenes, Matt, to, to look at discrepancies in practices across the country? So um, from the outset, we, we wanted to make sure that this data was available to the, to the right people. So there are hierarchies of data access. Um, Endoscopists can all log in and access their own data, and we know many, many endoscopists do that uh, regularly. Uh, so they have access to their own data in, in a standardized format, and it, uh, the system automatically calculates KPIs for them. And there, there are uh, funnel plots, so you can see yourself against uh, anonymized other, other dots on, on that plot. Uh, so uh, from an endoscopist point of view, that that as long as your hospital is is uploading, then then you already have access to that. Um, from a trust perspective, uh, likewise, uh, the trust uh, endoscopy leads can access and can see the named data of all of their endoscopists in that in that unit. Um, so that we know uh, it, again is being used quite a lot, and you can download that data so you can. You can uh, email that to, you, to your uh, the colleagues within your trust and so on. Outside of trusts, uh, nobody can see endoscopist named data. It's anonymized from an endoscopist perspective. Uh, but um, JAG, for example, can access hospital level uh, data, so they can they can see that. But if they wanted to pick up any underperformance, uh, yeah, they would have to you know liaise with the, with the the trust to have that discussion. So there's a hierarchy of, of access. Um, in addition, uh, what we want to do is to exploit the data to its fullest potential so people can apply for access to that data. Uh, again, that's endoscopist 
and and hospital anonymized data um, but we have a there's an application process through the JAG research committee uh, and that's reviewed by the the independent research committee and uh, um, in, in a similar way to if you you know if you were applying for bowel cancer screening data for example uh, there's a similar sort of process uh, that we have for, for NED data and that's in evolution um, so we've been quite cautious at the outset and we're, we're still in the process of validating some of the data uh, to make sure that it is all, all fit for purpose. Um, so we've been cautious about not giving the data out too freely. We want it to be established academics who understand the potential limitations of the data and we're working with them just to, to make sure that, um, as I say, it, uh, it is all fit for purpose. Um, but next year, we, we, we're moving to the second iteration of NED, uh, which will uh, which tightens data definitions for things like uh, indications and, uh, and diagnoses. So we're standardizing the, the terminology there. And that should make it um, a much richer data set. And um, we hope that more and more people will apply to, to, to use that data. Um, for the good of uh, UK endoscopy. Um, and do you think there's anywhere in the world that can compete with us with anything like this? Um, it looks like we're really leading the way on this kind of big data openness and being able to report nationally. Uh, do you think we are the envy of the world with this? I think we are, Nick, actually, yes. Um, and and I know from having discussions with uh, colleagues from around the world that other nations are quite keen to learn from us or even to join NED uh, uh, so they can add their own nation's data to NED. Um, we're having to focus on making sure we get it absolutely right before we expand beyond the UK yeah. um, but potentially there's, there's no reason why we can't. Um, to my knowledge there's only one other nation that um, at a similar time actually uh, has been developing a a similar national database, and that's Japan. Um, I haven't discussed that with the Japanese team for a few years now, actually, so I don't know um, how widespread that uh, uh, the Japanese system has been used. Um, but that's the only other, other automated capture of national endoscopy database uh, data that, that I'm aware of. Uh, there are a few other databases out there. There's one in the United States, for example, where you can double enter data onto a, a separate uh, a data set. Um, but again, that doesn't have national coverage. So uh, no, I, th I think we're in a very strong uh, position and uh, um, yeah, it'd be lovely to continue to, to lead the pack. Yeah. Do you, do you think that countries will, will accept our data? Uh, I, I have visions of, of say the Spanish rejecting it as, as uh, not really relevant to their practice or the Germans say we do things differently over here. We, you know, the, the Brits, they have a different data capture, doesn't really apply to us. And, and we have no plans to, to make up our own. Um, the reason I'm asking is because there's very few studies of, for example, sequel intubation rates and, and stuff like that um, across communities in all practices. It tends to come from ivory towers and, and small networks. But nationwide, there's, there's very few big studies looking at all the 
all the data from the big centers and the small centers to say, actually, the sequel intubation rate um, in the smaller centers is this and in, the, in, the, in the, the big centers is that. So it seems to me as an outsider that uh, there seems to be an in, inbuilt resistance. It, it may be a structural problem in some countries from, from accepting a, a big overarching entry system. I think that's that's true, Bjorn, uh, to to some extent. Um, I think there's always a fear, isn't there? Um, you know, when you're, you know, when you're um, publishing your own data. Um, but I think more and more nations, um, I think that people have seen what what's happened in UK endoscopy over the last twenty years, really since the first um, BSG. Uh, national audit um, um, by Bowles that was published that showed how terrible our sequel intubation rate was and, and other um, performance metrics too. And um, I think others were, you know, acknowledged how brave that was to publish that, but have also seen what's happened in terms of improving the quality that's resulted from that. Um, and certainly the discussions I've had, I, I chaired the ESG Quality Improvement Committee and many, many nations um, and individuals were coming to us saying we're, we're really keen to, um, uh, to be able to identify what our performance is both locally and, and nationally um, um, because we want to have that palliative care for our patients, of course, and we, we've seen what's happened in the UK and we'd like to replicate that. So I think for the enlightened um, uh, data and performance data can be used for the greater good, but it's a brave step, isn't it? You know, it's much easier um, just to carry on doing what you're doing and not have anyone being able to oversee what you're doing. Um, but I think if that's handled sensitively, then um, you know, everyone only has things to gain from this, really. I think some of the graphical representation, like the funnel plots of some of these data that are fed back to trusts and then to see national anonymized data about outliers, is just fantastic to get that data quickly, real time, to just see where people um, sit on the graph and a, a real carrot uh, for people to see what other people are doing and where the the benchmark should be really so i think to be able to get that data very quickly is just a, a real really good asset to this database i'd agree nick and i guess you know the pandemic has has really shown the benefit of that um nhs england uh for example you know captures data on endoscopy and um, through the you know, has data um, but a lot of that works many months behind um so the data is not accessible um, in the week that the procedures were done. And that's been very, very challenging for NHS England uh, to therefore see what's actually happening in a day to day, week to week, in, um, as we've tried to recover from the, the, the impact of the pandemic. So that's why these organisations have been turning to NET, where we, the, the data is uploaded. Um, essentially, when you print out your report, the data uh, gets uploaded and it's refreshed every hour. Uh, so this is you know, real time and immediate uh, data. And that's been hugely useful to uh, identify 
the issues that we've had and uh, to map out the recovery, the early and, and you know, medium term recovery that UK endoscopies uh, gone through um, from the from the from the pandemic. Um, you touched on it a bit earlier, but certainly from my perspective, a trainee perspective, um, that having to dual enter information at the moment onto the JET system can be incredibly laborious, and I, I don't think he's done that accurately. I'm not speaking personally there. Um, but how quickly do you think we'll be able to transition to use NED for um, accreditation and training? Well, surprisingly, Nick, this has been the perhaps the most challenging part of um, the development of NED. Um, it's fairly easy to capture data on diagnoses, indications, you know, sedation use, etc. But the relationship between the trainee and the trainer, who did what? You know, when did the trainer take over? Was it um, during intubation? Was it during extubation? Um, that's far more challenging um, and that's the bit that the endoscopy reporting system companies have, uh, have, have struggled the most with. And some have come up with uh, very elegant solutions to that. Um, uh, others, the solutions have been somewhat clunky. Um, but just to say that, you know, it is perfectly possible once the system has been redesigned, your local system has been redesigned to capture all that data in a very uh, effortless way. Um, so, you know, if your local system isn't doing that, if it is a very clunky system, then perhaps you should be looking at some of the other systems where the solutions are, are better. Um, so to answer your question, well, um, you know, one company has fully integrated uh, with JETS. So for hospitals that are using that system, that's already happening. So they're not having to double enter data. Um, the other companies are, I know, working very hard to create uh, effortless solutions for that. And um, we're in the process of moving to uh, the second iteration of NED, as I mentioned, and we've set the companies a deadline to have their systems up and running and have piloted those in, in a single hospital over three months and completed that piloting uh, by, by um, early summer next year. So, so we hope uh, that all the other systems will have ticked that box and have that permanent JET solution by then. Um, but I guess that's, that's in the hands of the, of, of the companies. Endoscopy is only one system in, in the National Health Service, isn't it? Are there any talks of, say, the cardiologists um, uh, kind of doing something similar or the respiratory physicians? You would have thought there'd be a, an opening in, in, in other specialties to do something different when central processing of large data could be beneficial. Renal medicine, the, the more you think about it, the more you think, actually, others could 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 do the same. Or is endoscopy leading the way entirely, as far as you know? Um, so there are other audit systems out there. So, um, for example, in orthopedics, they've got joint re replacement registries. But my understanding is that, again, that needs double entry of data. Um, 
which I think is done pretty reliably because they see the the importance of that. Um, uh, so there are national systems, but automated capture of data, um, I'm not so sure about, to be honest, Bjorn. Um, you, you clearly need to have an ele a local electronic system. Um, so, um, I, I mean, clearly what we're doing with, with NED, um, you know, could be translated into other spheres. And we have had some, some early discussions with, you know, the respiratory colleagues, for example, you know, obviously they do endoscopic work as well. So that, that will be the, the closest analogy you know, or expansion of, of, of NED, if you like. Um, and we're currently having discussions about whether we can ex expand this to capture capsule endoscopy, for example, and uh, um, you know, as, as our range of GI tools increase, potentially we can use the same mechanism for, for, for capturing that data too. So I think there's a huge um, potential to, to expand this beyond uh, standard GI endoscopy. And how about linking with our data sets? You can't go to a conference nowadays without hearing about artificial intelligence, which will feed into the endoscopy reporting, of course. AI will probably tell you how many uh, blind spots you ignored, how many potential polyps you didn't look at twice, uh, how many times you didn't retrovert in the rectum, and maybe can one day also measure the extubation time, etc. So there are other data sets there. I know, Nick, you, you know the cancer data set. Is there any way of linking other data sets into, into NED3? So, so there is, um, and certainly in terms of additional uh, endoscopic data points. So, for example, you're saying about artificial in, intelligence. So it may well be that that, that generates uh, new uh, endoscopic data sets. That's fairly easy for us to incorpor incorporate. You know, we, we can just mandate additional data fields and, and, and add to NED. Um, so that's fairly straightforward. And then there's the second um, uh, challenge with linking with other data sets, cancer registry, for example. Uh, the, the challenge that we have there is that you need to have um, patient identifiers. You need to have a way of linking. And um, for pragmatic reasons, we decided at the outset that, uh, at least in the first iteration of NED, we would not include patient identifiers. Uh, and that way we, we've avoided having to you know, jump through a number of, uh, you know, governance uh, um, hurdles. Um, but clearly, to really unlock the potential of NED, we do want and have always intended to add a patient identifier. And we're now in um, quite um, uh, advanced discussions about doing that. Uh, NHS England, again, this is clearly for England, but I'm sure the devolved nations want to do the same. They're very keen for us to do that because then we can start to, um, for example, evaluate technologies. So uh, there's a lot of interest in colon capsule at the moment. Well, it would be great if we could capture the colon capsule data on NED, and it would be great if we could then have follow-up data on uh, you know which of those patients end up having a colonoscopy later down the line or end up having a cancer detected down the line. So that's when you can really um, exploit the fullest potential of the data. So we're working on that, um, but uh, that has you know lots of challenges. Um, but we're, we'll definitely get there, get there eventually. As you say, that's probably NED iteration three. Yeah, 
I mean, it does seem like a no-brainer, and I'm I'm sure there'd be buy-in from patients and providers and everyone into like that should be done. Why why wouldn't it be done? So hopefully, um, yeah, we'll get that resource. I mean, the hope you know one of the you know I don't want NET to be a burden. It has to make everyone's lives easier. Um, so you know you should be able to enter your data onto your local system without even realizing that. Uh, it's being inputted into NED. You know, if that's not the case, then then that system isn't working properly. And in terms of capturing data for performance, again, you know, NED should be doing that for you and presenting you with with that data in a standardised format to make your life your lives easier. And when you start to link to other data sets, again, you can start to automate that and look at you know post colonoscopy colorectal cancer rates in an automated way so that you don't have to go through you know, hundreds of hours of, of uh, academic work trying to produce these figures. So you know, that's the, the long-term goal. Um, but anyone who's worked with data sets and trying to link data sets knows that it, it's remarkably challenging, um, but we will, we will get there. And what, what do you think will what else would you like to see in NED, um, NED three, the next generation? So I, th- the, I think one of the big um, opportunities is to do for colonoscopy, to do for ERCP and gastroscopy and endoscopic ultrasound what we've done for colonoscopy. Uh, so. I think colonoscopy has led, led the way in terms of quality assurance and quality improvement, I guess in part driven by um, you know, the instigation of the, of the screening um, program. Um, so it'd be nice if we can start to use NED data to um, have similar metrics for, for gastroscopy. Um, and as I say, we're, we're gonna, we're, we're um, increasing the data capture for ERCP. So there's huge potential uh, there as well. Uh, so I'd like to even it out across the, um, the different endoscopic procedures. In terms of data richness, uh, one of, you know, when, we, when we started, there was no standardized um, agreed uh, terms and indications. Um, you know, there are a few pieces of work that have been done internationally, as you know, there's MST terminology. I know you've been involved in that, Bjorn. Um, but it's, it's really, it's so, so important when you're capturing data to have it captured in a standardized way. So one of the big pieces of work that we've done for the second iteration of NED was to go to BSG and the Association of Color Cryptology in, in, in August and to ask their experts to compile for us uh, a, you know, a very a reasonable um, a data dictionary, if you like, you know, terms that we can use uh, for indications and for diagnoses. And, and then what we've done is we've pushed out those um, libraries of terms to the endoscopy reporting system companies and asked them to use those terms or at least to map their terms to those terms. So that should give us much, much better quality information. So in the current iteration of NED, about 40% of indications are categorized as other. 
which is clearly useless. Um, so um, that will be corrected, or at least uh, we hope it will be corrected as we as we as we move to the to the next iteration. So it's, it's things like that. Um, and Ned will continue to be an evolution. And again, we've we've sort of acknowledged this from the outset. You know, Ned I one is has been incredibly useful as I've as I've explained, but it's by no means perfect. Uh, Ned I two will be a lot better, but again. Um, we'll 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 move on to to three four five and things will get better and better and hopefully everyone's lives will get easier and easier as a result of that. Is there a risk that you become a victim of your own success and there'll be a point in the future when there's so so much and such a rich data set that the service at uh, at JAG and yet is just falling over it can can no longer cope with the massive amount of data let alone process it. And um, you might then have the choice of maybe approaching Google to, to help you with the data crunching. I mean, the big data set needs big service and big resources for analysis, doesn't it? Yeah, it's true. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah I, um, it's those sort of challenges uh, are ones that we, we've yet to face, but there's potential for, for that, certainly. Um, when it comes to... Um, performance indicators you know I, I'm very very keen I mean obviously uh, as you know I've done a lot of work in uh, on the performance side of things and um, it's one of my you know, real interests uh, but it's really important that we don't just measure things because we can um, the, the metrics that we produce have to be clinically meaningful and it's much better to have a small number of um, important metrics than just you know measure a thousand things just because you've got that data. So we have to be mindful of that. We don't want to overload people with outputs from from Ned. Um, I'd rather refine what we have than continually add to the outputs um, to the standard outputs. But of course, having this rich data lends itself to uh, you know, to, to research as, as we've talked about, and then maybe through those, re, you know, through that research, you can uh, learn how to refine things further, or find discover there's a better metric and change from metric A to metric B. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think that that's an important principle that I um, I like to try and stick to. And that's the benefit, isn't it? Having rich data, up to date, timely data that then you can see which indicators are useful uh, as time goes on. It might be that adenoma detection rate was great 10 years ago, but now when everybody's up at 40%, it's not as uh, useful and whether you need to change and you can just use the different um, indicators that come out of NED. And if you can link it to a hard outcome like cancer, um, then you can see which which ones and which few might need to be concentrated on. Nick, you're, you're absolutely right, uh, and uh, I couldn't agree with that more. In, in fact, um, you know, many um, of us are involved in uh, one of our first research projects, which is called Ned Apricot, uh, and that's exactly what what we've been looking at. Um, been looking at um, uh, whether ADR is the right measure or whether there's a better measure of performance um, and how those, you know, the, 
different candidate metrics uh, map out to more meaningful, clinically meaningful outcome measures, such as post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer rate. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of reasons why adenoma detection rate probably isn't the future metric. Um, you know, we know that adenomas aren't the be all and end all now. Um, yeah. You know, your ADR doesn't tell you about serrated polyp detection. And ADR is all or none. Um, you find one, you find 10, it's still only one tick uh, on your ADR. Uh, so maybe we should be counting the total number of polyps rather than uh, yes or no, did you find an adenoma in this procedure? So it's those um, pieces of work uh, that I think will, um, will um, help us to uh, uh, find the right metrics to, to improve uh, quality, uh, to improve patient, patient outcomes. Now, thanks to Matt and Nick for this discussion, which I think lifts the veil on the future of data capture in endoscopy. Well, that concludes this week's podcast. I hope that you do subscribe and we'll tune in again next Friday afternoon. Bye for now. This podcast was supported by Pentax Medical.